Yeah, I think at that time, I think the territories were probably selling for about $30,000. But they wanted to, you know, see 250000 in like liquid assets and, uh, you know, have that money in the bank. And that just wasn't a reality for us. So at that point, looking at those numbers, like I knew I wasn't going to be able to swing that on my own. So I brought in two of my brothers. We kind of pulled our resources together, the liquid cash that we did have. And luckily, we did have a lot of credit available to us, you know, collectively, right? So we used a lot of credit cards, man, to, to, to start that process. And, you know, we did also all own homes. So we put up all of our houses as collateral uh, to get that first territory. Everything, everything. It starts with just taking that leap. Have to work hard. You have to be incredibly smart. Choose something that even if it fails, even if it fails, you are going to be proud of it. Doesn't matter how badly you got beaten down. Be kind. Be kind. Be kind. Become a better person, a better leader, a better business. Go through that. <laughs> I'm Samuel Donner, and this is Finding Founders. Can you state your full name and two or three sentences about who you are and what you do? Yeah, my name is Jacob Saldana, and I'm a health and wellness entrepreneur, really bridging not only the things that I value in my lifestyle and finding beneficial for myself. When I do, I feel it's my duty to bring it to the public. I want to start with like securing the franchise rights to like Anytime Fitness. I want to understand like why and how you decided to acquire those rights. Yeah, honestly, like I grew up uh, very blue collar, you know, that was kind of the examples that I had around me. Never really thought much about entrepreneurship, never thought that I was going to be doing anything beyond working 30 years for a company and hopefully grabbing a pension, right? So Anytime Fitness came along as a means to relocate, honestly, to California. I had gotten married relatively young and, you know, kind of chasing that American dream, building that, you know, bought a house very young white picket fence, all of that, everything was going as I had planned. But when she voiced the desire to relocate to California, I didn't really know how I was going to pull that out. So trying to start looking at different pathways towards entrepreneurship and what I had around me, what I enjoyed to do personally. I was working at a cable company, you know, 40 hours a week and uh, and delivering pizza in the evening. So it was just something I did since high school through college. But that resulted in me working out at midnight, you know, after I'd get off from delivering pizza. So the gym that I was going to was a local anytime fitness in in West Seattle. And uh, the wheel started spinning there. You know, I started looking around, you know, the gym was open at midnight, you know, it was open 24 seven. You had your own key fob. So I just was crunching the rough numbers, knew what I paid for my membership. I knew the manager there, so I knew roughly how many members they had. And simple math, I was like, oh man, this looks really easy. You know, I should pursue this because for me, one of my, you know, big whys was being available, you know. So if I owned a business, I wanted to make sure that at some point when when there was a family that I was able to step away from that business and it was going to be able to operate you know, without me being there. And that was always my experience with that particular gym and what I thought owning an anytime fitness could could become. So that's what I started looking into from there. Yeah, I feel like, you know, we really were given a chance by anytime fitness at that time. I was probably, you know, 24, 25, maybe didn't really have the liquid assets necessary in order to to just come in and buy this, this, you know, this territory or this franchise. 
how do you even start that process? Cause like, yeah, maybe you've done like the mental math in your head, you know, a little bit from the manager, but like buying a franchise or at least a, a part of a franchise, like that's, that's like real business. Like that's like contracts. You know, it was all in, man. So, I mean, just, just researching online, you know, and, and looking at other different models too, that were kind of similar within that 24 seven concept, but all the resources were available, you know, as a franchise, their game is to sell territories, right? Like they're trying to move units. So all of the resources were available as far as what we needed to, to show on paper for as far as liquid assets and all of that. But they really walk you through the process. You know, again, their goal is to sell units and sell territories. So what was the process and like, how much did you need? Yeah, I think at that time, I think the territories were probably selling for about $30,000, but they wanted to, you know, see, you know, 250000 in like liquid assets and, uh, you know, have that money in the bank. And that just wasn't a reality for us. So at that point, looking at those numbers, like I knew I wasn't going to be able to swing that on my own. So I brought in um, and spoke with two of my brothers that are pretty close in age with me. So we, we kind of pulled our resources together, the liquid cash that we did have. And luckily we did have a lot of credit available to us, you know, collectively, right? So we used a lot of credit cards, man, to, to, to start that process. And, you know, we did also all own homes. So we put up all of our houses as collateral wow. uh, to get that first territory. So you're putting up everything to do this. Oh uh, yeah, everything, everything, yeah. How are you comfortable putting everything on the line? It's just like, I think it's just ingrained with me and, and, and having my brothers. I think, you know, we were kind of confident with the support of Anytime Fitness, you know, and having kind of this proven concept. And then I think what really allowed us to go all in on it was just our ability to outwork others. You know, the work ethic that we were given from, you know, our father, you know, coming from Mexico and, you know, working the fields and having, having that as our example, when you're willing to show up and you're willing to put in the work, it might not always be smooth, but you're going to be successful at some level. Right. And I, and having my brothers to ride with me on that, there was, there was no doubt that we were going to pull it off. What's the next part of the process? And like, you know, how do you choose which territory they're going to give you? So you have this territory and at this point it's not look, it's not any specific location, right? So you are given, I think it was maybe six months to, to, to find a spot. So they have a real estate team and, and they're trying to help remotely. But again, you know, they're out of Minnesota, so they don't know what's really happening on the ground in Seattle. So it's up to us to go and try to find these areas. You know, we're trying to take their guidance, but we knew little areas that we wanted to, to try to go after. So we negotiated all the leases that we did. And that was another whole learning curve there that, you know, we got bit in the ass, in the butt, depending on whether or not I can cuss here. You know, some of that came back to haunt us a few years later because there's a lot of details in those leases that might come up and sneak up on you. But yeah, that's the process. You get the territory, you go and find a, lo a location. You know, we were looking anywhere from like downtown Seattle by Pike Place Market and we're just, you know, pursuing several little areas. We're kind of excited about one and negotiating the lease and, you know, trying to get tenant improvement costs so that we can do this build out. And uh, luckily that particular one fell through and we found another one kind of more downtown Seattle as well. Secured that lease, secured a great contract. And, you know, the the landlord also, you know, he owned the building. He was also a developer. So he, he did the build out for us, you know, without us having to put anything in. So a lot of things had to happen for us to open that first location and be successful because we didn't have any relationships with any banks. You know, we weren't getting any lending. There was no SBA loan for us. It was us putting it on credit cards if we had to, right? So that initial 
agreement, you know, with the landlord had had him covering, you know, two hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of build out, and you know, giving us a few months free um, rent renovated, so we were able to ramp up and and you know, break even before we even opened. So, so what was opening like, and what were some of like the first challenges that you encountered, and maybe some of the first successes? Yeah. So when we, when we did this, you know, and there were two, like I said, two of my brothers with me, Andrew and Daniel, we kept our full-time jobs, right? So we all worked 40 hours a week, five days a week. And, um, we individually also covered the gym for two days, right? So we always had one of us present, whether it was during the pre-sale or overseeing the construction, one of us was always around. Luckily, the landlord was overseeing all the construction. We didn't have to be too hands-on with that. So our job was to, to pre-sell this gym, sell as many memberships as we could to open the doors with, with profit, right? So when we were selling memberships, we were taking down payments. So we we're putting money in the bank to operate off of because we needed that. Again, we literally didn't have any cash, right? So, you know, pre-selling these memberships, putting that money in the bank, sitting on that, and that was going to be our operating capital. Luckily, our operating capital was relatively low because we are each doing, you know, holding down every hour of the gym ourselves at that point. But pre-sale looked like setting up a table outside of the construction, creating a little hype, and literally grabbing people that were walking by. You know, we're right next to a, a Trader Joe's in the Capitol Hill neighborhood of Seattle. So there was a lot of foot traffic. It's actually one of the, the densest areas of Washington state. So that worked. I also moved, I rented out my house and moved to an apartment that was a block away from where the gym was going to be so that I could be right there accessible taking any lead that we could get. I, uh, I look back on some like, you know, Facebook reminders of, you know, those days back in 2011 when it was all going down and, and seeing, you know, check-ins at a, a local coffee shop there, Cafe Vita on Capitol Hill. And I'm sitting there, I got a text message or I got a, a, a ping on Facebook or something on the, the business page. So I was like, hey, I'll meet you in 10 minutes down at this coffee shop. And, and that was actually our first membership that we sold. And, and you know, it's, it's cool to kind of see that pop up in the reminders of, of how hard we were hustling to make it happen. I want to eventually talk about like space bar wellness, but maybe before that we can talk about Fit Bar Superfood Cafe and uh, how you decided to start opening up that. So after a year of operating that first gym, the initial Anytime Fitness that was located in, in the West Seattle neighborhood that we were born and raised at and where I was actually working out at when I kind of had this idea to try to buy in, we found out was for sale. So we were at our first conference in Chicago and there were some some rumors that that Anytime Fitness West Seattle gym was for sale. So we somehow rallied to pull together the money to purchase that location. How much did you need for that? I think we purchased it for $240,000 maybe. And like at that point, it was like rolling out a 401k that I had from a previous job and again, just going all in, you know, so yeah, putting it all on the line once more, once again. So at this point, we were committed to this second gym and uh, we took that over. And our goal was to relocate it to a better location. So um, in about a year's time of that, owning that second gym, we relocated it to a larger space, um, had a big parking lot with it. And we, uh, you know, we're we're two years in now to gym ownership. We were knowing what we needed to do from a personal training standpoint um, to get people results. And one thing that we were really struggling with was this conversation of nutrition. 
even today in the gym business, trying to get people to think about nutrition is, is a very tough conversation. <clears throat> They're entering this wellness space through the lens of fitness, and they think that is the modality and all that is really necessary. At some point, they graduate to this, to this understanding that, that it takes more. But it wasn't really happening in a way that we, we wanted it to. So we approached our landlord and we asked him if we could take over a corner of the parking lot and build a little smoothie bar. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> he surprisingly said yes. You know, we had a 10-year <laughs> you know, lease there and, you know, we did um, the math on the building and we were able to build this um, building for about $50,000. So that's where we build the first Fit Bar Superfood Cafe, and we did it as a as a like a no no resistance for our members to just leave the gym and go straight over and buy a, a protein shake, right? So that was the first little Fit Bar Superfood Cafe, and you know since then we had expanded to multiple locations, and yeah, it was an awesome segue into you know having these conversations of nutrition for for our customers and, and members at the gym. So after we created the Fit Bar, about six six years ago, um, we were building out another gym, and I was very hands on with the construction. And leading up to that construction, I was you know heavy into powerlifting, so I was doing a lot of squats, a lot of ba- uh, deadlifting, a lot of bench press. Um, so I put that on a halt to help build out this gym. Once the gym was done, literally that first workout. I was going to kind of just hop right back into the same program. And, you know, I was being very active the entire time. It was just different movements. I was literally doing like construction as we built this gym out. So during the first warm up to get ready for that first workout, I was doing like a single leg RDL. So basically I was just like kind of just bending over, I guess, if you will, and tweak my back. So a little tweak in my back literally <laughs> wrecked me for, for years. Um, and I could never really bounce back. So a couple of years ago, you know, I was finding a lot of frustration with this back pain. Like my back was always locked up, like where I couldn't even stand up straight. And it was just very frustrating because in my mind, you know, I was still this strong guy, right? And and I felt like a fitness person and it just cognitively, cognitively didn't match up with my reality, right? So, you know, I started to seek out other modalities of health and wellness that could hopefully move my fitness forward without having to, you know, wreck this back. So I, I uh, stumbled upon breath work and I stumbled upon contrast therapy and ice baths. So, you know, after probably about nine months of a, a very regular breath practice, um, I noticed my back loosening up. I was, wasn't holding on to the same tension that I used to. And a lot of my problems were, be, were being solved. Anytime I see something working for me, you know, I'm confident enough, even though it's 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 not easy, it's a challenge, but I feel like it's it's my duty to try to create something and bring it to the you know, the people so that they can experience it. Cause if I'm suffering from back pain and I can't work out the way that I, I want to, there's other people that are experiencing that same thing. So that's where Space Bar Wellness came to mind and um, the idea behind it is is creating space to breathe, adapt and recover. And uh, we do that through using infrared saunas, ice baths, flotation therapy, red light therapy. We do a little coaching there and a little movement as well because that's foundational as well. But it's just a different approach to wellness. You know, I want to make sure that we're doing our job to meet people where they're at. And whether, you know, your introduction to wellness is through fitness, you know, we got that for you. What I would like to see is people entering wellness through a space like Space Bar, where you're starting with a true foundation. 
So what are you uh, most excited for, for the future of like all of your projects? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, there's, I can go a couple different directions on that because, you know, the gyms and the anytime fitnesses have, have been our bread and butter revenue wise, you know, that's what we've always counted on. So, you know, part of me is like, you know, finding financial freedom, right. And, and doing more of that. Right. So that's more of the stability side. Like we know that's working, but there's this other side of me that, that wants to see what I'm made of as an entrepreneur and as a creator. So I'm, I'm very excited with, with the, where the space bar can go and tweaking that and developing that because, you know, a lot of what I, what I kind of went over with like what we do at the space bar, these, these are very novel ideas. Again, like a lot of people don't know about them. Like sometimes we, we feel like more people do because we get in our bubbles, right? And we we're in this health and wellness space and maybe you, you're seeing a lot of ice baths on your feed, but general population, people don't know about it, right? So we have that challenge. How do we get people aware of these modalities that can be very, very impactful for them? So trying to crack that code, figure out what that looks like, you know, what can we introduce at the space bar that might be a little bit more familiar to people to have them enter in a little bit more of a comfortable space, maybe through some different workouts that they might be more used to. So yeah, developing that, figuring out exactly how to educate people properly is what I'm excited about. And, you know, we've, we've also created another concept called the Lifted Botanical Bar, which I'm pretty excited about, um, which is also inside our space bar. So those are two things that are located in Pasadena that I'm going to be strapping in on and really developing both together and then um, independently because they both have legs, I think, on their own and can um, add a lot to the different communities. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, rate the podcast five stars and share with a friend. If you have any questions or comments, DM us at Finding Founders Podcast on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook. Finding Founders is produced and hosted by me, Samuel Donner. Our chief of staff and operations is Jessica Lynn. Our audio editing team lead is Adrian Tapia. Support from Irene Van Berkel, Matt Fernandez, Renee Buchanan, Sophia Donner, Maura Lynch, Zoe Maddox, Ashley Jimenez, Michael Chung, Nicholas Guzman, Aaron Devereaux, Sanessa Gisley, and Lois Choi. Our outreach and research lead is Kenny Ong, with support from Sarah Hobson, Melody Sopani, Cherise Tan, Jake Wiley, Ibada Thrive, and Mecca Shelton. Our writing team lead is Elizabeth Bowen, with support from Abigail Azardia, Elise Caldwell, Jake Wiley, Jordan Ortiz, and Sanessa Gisley. Our design team lead is Shruti Ramanand, with support from Sohail Amatya. Tiffany Dang, Jonathan Wass, and Diana Marie Candazza. To see more of what we're up to, subscribe to our newsletter at findingfounders.co. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.